I'm going to talk to you about one word tonight out of Matthew chapter 13. And that word is deception. I'm going to share with you about the deception that is in our world right now. And we're going to look at three different types of deception that we see and find in the parable of the wheat and the tares. Three separate types of deception that are alive and well. How many of you realize the enemy is deceiving right now? He is a liar and the father of lies. In fact, so much so that the Bible says the truth is not even in him. Right? I, I don't, I've heard so many preachers use it, but I, I remember R.W. Schambach saying it, but I, I hear so many preachers saying it that, that you'll recognize it too, that, that, that they will say, that tells me that if the enemy says, I can't, he cannot tell the truth, so therefore I'm going to tell him, I can. If the enemy says, I won't, he can't tell the truth, so I will. Amen. If the enemy tells me God didn't, he can't tell the truth. So I'm going to say God did. Amen. Come on now. And so we, we need to understand that he is a deceiver. He has been a deceiver from the beginning. And I'm going to get ahead of myself. So I'm, I'm just going to get on into this uh, tonight. All right. Matthew 13 verse 24 says another parable he put forth to them Jesus is teaching them in parables during this chapter and so another parable he he put forth to them and he said the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field now let me stop right there and let me ask you the question because we're going to teach our way through this tonight and talk our way through this a little bit tonight what did the man sow in the field Good seed. I want you to notice that. But while men slept, while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares. That's, that's weeds, darnels, if that would help your understanding a little bit. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. So tares among the wheat and went his way. Some translations say, and ran away. And quickly left that place. So he snuck in, he sowed tares among the wheat, and then he ran off. Snuck off. This was in the dark of the night. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, First gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Now, 
I want you to go down with me to verse 36. Matthew 13, verse 36. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, and his disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parables of the tares of the field. So he answered and he said to them, He who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. That's the terminology for Jesus. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. So the good seed are the products of the kingdom. They, they are the products of those followers of the Lord. But the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. And the harvest is the end of the age. And the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out His angels... They will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. Now, we're going to talk our way through this a little bit. I want to just take you down this journey. And the first thing I want to talk to you about is the harvest. Because the first thing we see is there are seeds sown with an intended harvest. And the harvest is going to come uh, later on. But the harvest is what the enemy is after. Okay? And the harvest represents the the. Children of God as they produce. You can look at it this way. The harvest is at the end of the age. But our harvest is our children. This generation. This is the harvest of God's people in this day. That God has sown good seed into this land. But the enemy has done something to try to destroy the harvest. And it is deception. Our harvest is at stake. Our generation is at stake. Our young, their lives, their souls, their hearts are at stake. Our souls are at stake. This is not a game. It's not, it, it's not just something that, well, it's sad we lost our crop. This is not Veronica and I planting a raised bed garden and not really caring if it really produces or not because we can just go to the grocery store and get what we need and therefore when the insects took over and killed the tomatoes and killed the, everything else we had out there, it wasn't like it really cost us a whole lot. It's not like that. This is is the harvest that matters the most. 
And we need to we need to understand the sincerity of this moment. The church has gone about our duty like Veronica and I on with that little raised bed garden that it we didn't really need. We just wanted to do it. We thought it would be great to have our own stuff and in case of an emergency to have that, but it wasn't necessary. But and, and the church has acted that way with the harvest in our lives. We have treated our children and the young generation and our generation and our walk with God this way. This is, this is serious business that we are dealing with. Jesus is not playing games. He is being deadly serious. In fact, it shows us how serious He is when He talks about the repercussions at the end. That those that are taken and cast out are going to be cast into that place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth, where there is torment. This is this is deadly serious. Are y'all are y'all hearing me? And what has happened is deception has crept in. There has been a deception. The, the tares and, or the darnels, if you will. I found a, a little article that I wanted to share with you about this. It says, Satan's malicious intention in sowing the tares or the darnels among the wheat is to cause problems and confusion. The bad seed grow, seeds grow to become poisonous weeds. That allow, listen to this, they become poisonous weeds that allow only the healthiest of the wheat to survive. So what the enemy sowed into that field was going to grow up with that wheat and it was going to be so poisonous and so deadly that, that when that happens, do you know you can have... Wheat that produces even with weeds in it. In fact, the parable teaches us that. So we won't choke out all of the wheat, but only the healthiest will survive. The rest will be lost. The tares, like weeds, have never been a marketable product. Tares are actually darnel, a seed hardly identifiable from the wheat seed. It looks a lot like it. An immature wheat and darnel, tares, look alike. Amen. Now you got you gotta you gotta use your spiritual thinking cap. The the tares and the immature wheat look alike. They, they are almost to where you can't tell the difference. The mature wheat, the healthy wheat will look different. But the immature that's going is going to look just like it. And to try to destroy the darnel would mean destroying much of the wheat. Separating one from the other would be beyond the servant's abilities. 
Only when the wheat has matured can the tares be detected. Then the tares are gathered together in bundles in the field, and they are destroyed by fire. They have to be burnt up. There's no other way. They have to be burnt up in order to be destroyed. And there is no other way to deal with this. And some things hit me in that. In the world we are living in right now and in the harvest that, that, that we are talking about tonight, the harvest of a generation, the harvest of, of our young, the harvest of souls, we are living in a day where immature Christians look Act, respond, sound, believe, react, just like the world. Immature churches look, act, react, and respond no different than the world. Immaturity in Christianity is a killer. I want you to hear that. Immature Christianity destroys a future harvest. Amen. Our purpose is to mature in our faith, to be seasoned believers. I'm not talking about age. Seasoned believers. If we have known the Lord, we should be growing in Him. We should be maturing in Him. And it is our purpose, not just for ourselves, but for the sake of our future. Because we are seeing the repercussions of immature church. We're not seeing the results of a wicked world. The world has always been wicked. The world we live in is no more wicked today than it was in Acts 2 through Acts 22, 28. And no more, no more wicked. They had wickedness all around them. They had all the same activities. They had all the same actions. They, they had all the same thought processes. We like to say, boy, we've never seen a time this wicked. Well, and, and the reality is, the problem is not the wickedness of the world. The problem is the immaturity of the church. Amen. And it's poisoning and allowing to be poisoned our harvest. I think this is serious. I think God is giving us a call to arms. I think God is trying to wake us up a little bit to the concept of deception. It's as if the church has fallen into the Samson syndrome. And we have the power of God through covenant. But we have shared our secrets with our enemies. And in our arrogance and immaturity, we have relinquished God's covenant power. 
for immature pursuit and it is costing us our future. We are more concerned about our comfort, our pleasure, our desires of the world than we are the things of God. Amen. It really doesn't matter if you say amen. It's still the truth. Deception has taken hold. I can see Samson as he says to himself, Well, I will shake myself just like every other time. And we've got, listen, listen real closely to me and you that are online, listen real closely to me. We have got an immature church living in much deception that, that has tears all mixed in. We are mingled all up. And we are hearing all around us of the great revival that's going to come. Let me say this. The great revival that Joel speaks of in the latter days and Peter prophesies about to you and your children and as many as are afar off. Though that great revival of these end days is not coming to the immature church. That is so engrossed in the world. We are hearing story after story after story. Of minister of after minister after minister that are losing their faith. That are walking away from God. That have been pastoring mega churches. Ravaged by personal sin. And losing their faith. And we are clamoring that the end days revival is going to be there. It's not going to be there. The outpouring of the Spirit is going to come upon those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. And we have to be a voice that is different than the world. If God has ever said anything to this pastor, he has said this for this time. He is calling us to be different. To be a different voice. To be a different sound. To be a peculiar people. To be a people that are set apart for Him. So that the world will see that this that has been called church. Has just been the mingling of the immature believer and the world. But there is something that provides an answer. A way out. A hope forward. And it is found in the place where... For those that are pursuing God with everything in their heart, that is where the outpouring is going to be. The first deception that I want to look at tonight is the deception of the enemy. The man sowed good seed. 
the Son of Man sowed good seed. The enemy came and sowed tares. And Jesus defines who our enemy is. Our enemy is not people. Our enemy is not those that don't believe like we believe. Our enemy is the devil. Amen. And the Bible says, very plainly Jesus teaches, that good seed was sown and the devil came in the night and sowed sneakily his workings among it. The deception was at play. Do you know Jesus said in Luke chapter 10, and, and you can go find it, the 70 have returned, they're rejoicing because even devils were subject to his name and, and they were excited about all that had done. And Jesus said to them in Luke chapter 10 and verses 17 through 20, Jesus says to them, hey, celebrate rather your names are written in the book of life. But he said, behold, I saw Satan fall from heaven. The devil has been a deceiver from the beginning. He has not changed his ways. He has been a deceiver. He always will be a deceiver. And he is currently deceiving. He fell. And since his fall, he has went about lying and deceiving because that is his nature. Genesis chapter number 3, the first place we see him recorded in Scripture, even though we have Scripture that talks about him before that, in particular Luke 10 that Jesus just said, that even before that he saw him fall from heaven. But in Genesis 3 is the first recorded instance of man dealing with Satan. And what happens? The serpent who was more cunning, more deceitful than any creature, deceived Eve and then Adam. He has been deceiving. He is attacking our harvest. He always attacks the harvest. You need, you need to hear this. Your enemy, the devil, always attacks your harvest. When he's attacking you, he's after your harvest. When he's attacking your your Finances, he's after your harvest. When he attacks your health, he's after your harvest. When, when he's attacking your, fam- your, your marriage, he's after your harvest. He's after your kids. He's after what God wants to produce in you. He's after what, what this new life is supposed to produce in a person. He's after the harvest that should be produced. He always has been. Look at what he uses in the garden. He uses the fruit of the tree. He is a deceiver in the harvest. Daniel 7 tells us that this spirit of Antichrist, that's him behind that. He will, in the latter times, he will attempt to steal the harvest and harass the believers. 
He will wear you out. That's what the word says in Daniel chapter 7. You can go read it for yourself. Verses 23 through 28. In fact, we'll just take the time and turn over there. Turn over there to Daniel chapter 7, verse 23. Daniel chapter 7 and verse number 23. Daniel's vision. Verse 23, thus he said, The fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on earth which shall be different from all other kingdoms. And he shall devour the whole earth, trample it, and break it in pieces. The ten horns are ten kings who will arise in this kingdom. And another will arise after them, and he will be different from the first ones. He's the Antichrist, and he will subdue three kings. He will speak pompous words against God, the Most High. He will persecute the saints of the Most High. He will intend to change times and law. Do you know that God set the times and the law of the harvest into place? He said as long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. And he will set about to change these. He's after the harvest. And then the saints will be given into his hand for a time and times and a half a time, three and a half years. But the court shall be seated and they shall take away his dominion to consume and destroy forever. Then the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High, the everlasting kingdom. He says in there, he will wear out the believers. And I want to tell you, we are seeing that today. And it's only going to grow worse and worse. He will wear out those that are trying to identify the tares rather than just calling upon the Lord of the harvest. See, we get caught up fighting people. We get caught up fighting with one another. We get caught up distracted here and distracted there. And we need to call upon the Lord of the harvest who's able to send laborers into the field at the right time to do the right thing that will not be deceived and will reap the harvest of God. The enemy is a deceiver. John 10 verse 10 says, The thief, he doesn't come but to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus said, but I have come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. You know what abundance speaks of? A harvest. The enemy comes to kill and steal and destroy the harvest. But the Lord said, but I have come that you might have life and that life more abundantly. You might have the harvest that has been promised to you. The second form of deception is not just from the devil himself but we see a deception in Matthew chapter 13 and verse number 25 where it says but while men slept we see the enemy sneaks in in the night but he can only sneak in because the guards were sleeping. Because the guards had fallen for deception. Because the watchmen were silent because of sleep. Amen. 
people were sleeping. Matthew chapter 25. We are told of a parable of five wise and five foolish virgins. Who are preparing for the arrival of the bridegroom. And Matthew 25 and verse number 5. Verse 4 says, But the wise virgins took oil in their vessels with their lamps because as they were waiting on the bridegroom, they wanted to be ready. But verse 5 said, But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And verse 6, And at midnight a cry was heard, and the bridegroom is coming, go out to meet him. And then they arose to trim their lamps, but the wise who had prepared could wake from their slumber and go meet him. But the foolish had ran out of oil. They had slept their opportunity away. And they were left out of this ceremony. I want to tell you, if we're not very careful, we will sleep our way through our promises. We will sleep our way through our revivals. We will sleep our way through our outpourings. We will sleep our way through our harvest. And sadly, many won't even know they missed it. Matthew 26, verses 36 through 46. Jesus is going to be arrested. He leads them out into a garden. And he leaves them there and he says, sit here and watch and pray. You know what happened. What did they do? They didn't watch and pray. They slept. While he agonized. While he labored. The Bible says he prayed so intensely that his sweat became as great drops of blood while they slept. You know what he was doing? He was laboring over the harvest that would be produced while they slept. Twice he would come back and wake them up and they would go back to sleep. And then the last time he would come back and say, sleep on. It's too late. I wonder how close we are to it being too late for our harvest. I wonder what things we will sell our harvest out for. I wonder what pleasure will take while the enemy takes our harvest and then when we realize oh how we wish we had been different Isaiah 60 and 1 says to God's people arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you Ephesians 5, verses 16 through 18 tells us, Redeem the time, for the days are evil. 
Romans 13, verse number 11. I'll read this one to you. Romans 13 and verse number 11. And do this, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. I got to tell you, I've got family. That I'm tired of letting the enemy steal the harvest. You've got family. That I'm tired of allowing the enemy to steal the harvest. Well, we play games. Well, we tiptoe around speaking the truth. Well, we try to act and seem just like the world. Winning no one, but making our lives easier. And the final deception that I see in Matthew 13. And this is vital and is going to lead us in to June 13th when I give a call to this church that it's time for war Lord willing if he doesn't come back before we get there Matthew 13 I've never seen this here before But at verse 27, Matthew 13, So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed into your field? How then? Does it have tares? And what I saw in this, in the third form of deception, was it's going to go and say Jesus is going to teach, and we read it already, but he's going to teach them that the reapers at the end of the age are the angels. That's, the, that's those heavenly spirits. And do you know there are godly angels and there are fallen angels and the servants came to the owner and and almost in an accusatory tone blames him by saying well I thought you sowed good seed And we've got a world of Christians today, hear me, that are being deceived by the spirit of the enemy, that are blaming God and blaming the Word and accusingly saying, 
Well, it must not be like you said it was. Because how is all this happening? And they have been deceived by false lying spirits. And don't don't doubt me. I've had conversation after conversation after conversation with people who claim to follow Christ. I've read about them. I've seen them on, on news articles. I've, I've heard about them in Bible college. I see it all around that have bought into this thing that says that the Word is not what it says it is. They begin to disbelieve. They begin to, because God must not be good like He says. He must not have cared like He said. He must not because there's wickedness in the world. How many people do you know who have walked away from God because they have listened to a lying spirit that said to them, God must not be who He says He is because of wickedness, because of this, because of that. And the church has been asleep and wicked spirits have been at work in deception. And church, I'm telling you, if there's ever been a moment that there's a rally cry for the church of our day, it is today. It is the day that we stand up and we declare and we say we will not fall prey to deception. God is who He says He is. You're going to have to see everything in your world through the filter of faith in this world. Word. You cannot look at this world through the filter of the world. You can't do it. Or you will be deceived. You can't look at everything through the filter of the media of this world. Can't listen to backslidden preachers, ungodly churches. I'm I'm through playing games. We've got far too many churches who may have the name of Jesus over the door, but the doctrine they are preaching and teaching and living by is doctrines of hell and doctrines of devils. They are calling everything wicked, good, and everything good, wicked. Just like the world. They will stand up for everything and everybody except God and His Word. And they will say, God, you said this was good, but there ain't anything good about this. The God we serve is a loving God that is good. He is a holy God that is righteous. He is a God that is the judge of all. But His fairness And His justice knows no boundaries. And we must take our stand. I had a lot more scriptures, but I'm not going to go into all of them. 
2 Corinthians chapter number 11. Verse number 3. Paul's writing and he says, But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. It's time that we get back to the simplicity that is in Jesus Christ. If you'll live in the simplicity of his gospel and who he is, you will live in freedom, joy, peace, and power. If you conflate all the other things and you get so confused with everything else, you will fall into deception. God is good. God loves man. God sent his son. Jesus died for sin. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are made new. And if man will call upon the Lord, once making Jesus their Savior, and ask Him to fill them with the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, out of His belly will flow rivers of living water. He will be empowered to live and to walk this thing out. And we need to get out of everything else, and we need to come back to the simplicity of that gospel. And declare it to our world. Because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But powers and principalities. And we got to put on the whole armor. And we got to go to war. How many of you want to get out of this deception rat race? God sowed some good seed. Rick, many, many years ago, right here on this property, not this building, before this building, on this property, God sowed some good seed right here in Moore, Oklahoma. Amen? And there have been many, many mature, strong Believing Christians come from that moment. And there have been people saved and healed and delivered and promises given. Sadly, somewhere along the way, men slept. And our enemy sowed seeds of deception. This pastor is going to start declaring the good seed is going to grow again. And God's kingdom is going to be victorious. Stand to your feet with me tonight. I just want to get you ready. There might be some of this in that message the 13th of June, but not much. I got, believe me, <laughs> I, got, I, I may need you to bring a lunch on that day. I don't, I don't know. I got a whole lot. We'll break it up if we have to.
that it's time. I want you to begin praying towards that service. How many of you will do that with me? I'm not saying God can't move in an amazing way this Sunday. I expect Him to. I'm just saying, I feel there's something prophetic about that Sunday. And I want us to start praying. I want you to start inviting people to come with you. If you got lost loved ones, I want you to invite them to be here on that Sunday. I think it's time to begin to put a big demand by faith on God's anointing and God's power. And begin to say, God, we're going to stand for your word. And we're going to believe to see what you've promised. How many will do that with me? Let's awake. Awaken. Arise. And see our world changed for Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we love you tonight. Whatever you're doing, and however you're going to do it, let us be engaged, involved, awake, and ready. Because our harvest depends on it. Our kids depend on it. Challenge us and prepare us to shake our world with your gospel. More. We, we are going to begin, Lord, declaring over more Norman, the Oklahoma City Metro that we're a part of, that this is your kingdom place. And we're going to cast out the enemy from this place. And we're going to see your victory. God, give us faith to believe for salvation of souls. Deliverance of the bound. Healing for the sick and oppressed. For those that are held captive. Deliverance. To cast out the devil. And to see your hand exposed in this world. And we ask it in Jesus name. Amen.